Hello, everyone. We are back. It is the Canadian Bowler Show. I am Michael Fatuli, and I'm joined here today by my fabulous co-host, Daryl Fitzgerald. How are you doing, Daryl? I'm good, Mike. Uh, bold today. It was thunderstorms early in the morning, opened up uh, bright and beautiful for the rest of the day, and it was a beautiful day for bowls. Awesome. Yeah, I think you you were telling me a little bit before we got going there. Was that was that a fundraiser event that you're doing, or what were you what were you playing in there? Oh uh, yeah. Um, so uh, for those of you that know him, uh, Chris Stadnick, uh, he's been around the world to play bowls. Uh, national team uh, was a big member of uh, Ni- the Niagara Falls community in Ontario as well. Um, he's a past president of my club. Uh, but he's been living in Kitchener uh, in and around me for uh, a number of years. And uh, he uh, had uh, kidney problems. So just this year uh, in January, he actually got his new kidney and um, really looks like a new man. He's uh, bounced back. He's able to bowl again, which he hasn't done in a few years. So Chris wanted to give back to um, the Kidney Foundation and uh, did a fundraiser. And... um, I don't know the exact number, but I, w- I want to say he, he raised between um, four and $5,000, did raffles. Um, the greens were packed with people. Uh, we were playing triples. So um, just a really, really fun day. So uh, just hats off to Chris and everybody that ran that. And uh, really good to see a, a charity get some, some money that, that is much needed. Awesome. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things is seeing the different charity events that, that do occur. It's a pretty good way to actually raise money, uh, specifically a Bulls tournament, I think. Tim Mason did one for years out in BC, and Ernie Mead did one out in uh, Saskatchewan for quite a few years. So it, so it is a format that does work. And obviously, when it's going to a good cause, it's pretty uh, pretty nice to be able to make a donation like that, too. So I'm glad that uh, was successful here or, uh, for you guys out there in Ontario. Um, so before we get in, reminder to uh, hit that like button if you are any sort of uh, interaction on the video does help us out immensely. So please do hit the the like button. Uh, if you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, also please hit that button. Uh, it does help us a lot. And any sort of support we get, we we are pumping back into the channel. So we really do appreciate anything uh, you do on these videos here. Uh, in regards to if you're a podcaster, uh, this video will be up usually on all major podcasting platforms within the week. And if you're not able to catch the show live right now, uh, we are on YouTube within the day. So you can check this out essentially whenever uh, works within your schedule and then go from there. Uh, we do have quite a bit of... Uh, content here today there was the uh, canadian junior and para championships last week so we have some results uh, we're obviously going to cover there uh, but the main focus of the show today is we do have a interview with the ceo of world bulls and uh well we also have a board member uh, i guess a director of a region uh, ian there on the, the call too so we'll, we'll pretty much jump right into our interview because it is uh, it's a fairly lengthy interview, but it's got lots of really good information. So anything you want to say before we jump into that, Daryl? Uh, no, I, I'm really pumped uh, that we got a chance to talk to um, a World Bulls member. We've talked to Ian before. Uh, he was actually just starting out as the uh, director of the Americas, so he hadn't really uh, gotten his feet uh, fully wet. And obviously COVID uh, was a big factor, but... Um, uh, getting Neil uh, Dalrymple on the show uh, is just a huge, uh, huge moment for us. And uh, we really hope that you enjoy the, the interview, I guess. 
I will start to it now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadian Bowler Podcast. I am Michael Petuli, and I'm joined here today by my co-host, Daryl Fitzgerald. And we have two special guests here with us. Uh, so joining us uh, from World Bulls, uh, we have Neil Dalrymple, the CEO of World Bulls. And we have Ian Howard. Uh, he is the director of the Americas region for World Bulls as well. So thank you for joining us, uh, both of you. We're excited to get into some conversation here about World Bulls and sort of all the new exciting things that are happening there. So well, when we do the interviews, typically let you guys sort of introduce yourself and how you relate to Bulls. Uh, I'll give Neil the floor first, just because I think it's his first time here on the podcast. So uh, go ahead, Neil. Yeah, thanks, Michael and Daryl, and uh, good to see Ian. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on this uh, podcast. So that's uh, wonderful to have that that chance to talk a bit about World Bowls today. Um, I'm the CEO, as you said, CEO of World Bowls. I've been in the position since uh, December the 1st uh, last year. Uh, prior to that, I was the CEO of Bowls Australia uh, for 15 and a half years. Uh, over that time, I've certainly come to uh, very much enjoy the sport of bowls. So I've started to play and uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm very good, but um, I hold my own on the green and uh, look, I enjoy the, the social elements and, um, and also the competitive side of the sport. So I think it, it just fits, fits so well into society these days. So uh, yeah, look, look forward to talking more about world bowls and perhaps giving the listeners um, some insights about the, uh, the current state, the future plans and um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be excited about, about the future of bowls in the world. So if you would like me to take over Michael and Absolutely, just say a few yeah. words. Okay. Thanks Daryl. Well, I'll just say very much uh, what I said uh, just prior to coming on uh, that this is really uh, about uh, Neil's experiences, um, especially as he's CEO of World Bowls. Um, you know a little bit about my background, uh, so I don't wish to go on, on to that too much, except that uh, my uh, joining uh, World Bowls uh, as a director has been very enlightening and very, uh, I'm finding it very, very exciting and especially exciting since uh, we've made the changes. We decided to, uh, uh, we, we had to and we were talking about it for some time. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And all this kind of stuff. And then we sort of plonked on the idea of, uh, well, uh, we've got to bring in somebody like uh, uh, Neil and the, the caliber and the knowledge that he brings to the sport. And uh, so far, the, the love affair with Neil is uh, being, uh, it's been raging. Um, we're, we're very excited about what he's doing and what he's, he hopes to do. Um, as far as the Americas is concerned, very quickly, um, we've got a lot of challenges. Um, I, I've kept Neil as informed as, as I can. Uh, the challenges aren't, uh, aren't daunting. We can solve them. Uh, but, uh, for example, last year we didn't have a U.S. Open. Uh, we want to have a U.S. Open this year. Um, we're talking about America's challenge, um, and we can talk about that more later on. So just very quickly, I'm excited to be back with you guys, um, and I thank you for that, and thank you for setting this up today. So just to kick this off, um, a, a lot of I'm sure a lot of our listeners know about World Bulls mainly from the World Championship and uh, their work with Commonwealth Games and some of the really large things like Champion of Champions. Um, Neil, can you give us a, a brief overview of 
what else does World Bowls do for for bulls? Yeah, no, good good question, Daryl. Um, look, it is it's a little event focused, and it has been for some time. And I certainly, when when I was CEO of Bowls Australia, I was probably quite critical of World Bowls insofar as um, that all that World Bowls did was run events. Uh, it certainly is. It's certainly part of what World Bowls does, but there's there's a lot more to it. And certainly into the future, we, we need to become uh, more relevant to all of our members, of which we've got 50, 58 member countries, which is in comparison to other sports around the world, that is quite small. And we'll, we'll probably touch on that as a focus area a bit later too, in terms of how we need to grow our membership. Supporting the members is important as a lot of our countries are very small and, um, and smaller than perhaps the average Canadian bowls club. Um, so they require assistance with governance. They re- require assistance with um, uh, getting the right structure in place to, to run their sport and how they liaise and work with their uh, peak sports federation. Um, one area that I'd like to touch on is is around Olympics and Paralympics, and um, and we've I've been working on particularly in the last couple of weeks working on how World Bowls can be recognised by the uh, IOC, which is the International Olympic Committee, and so yeah, we've got some pretty positive feedback that um, there is a way to do that, and what that will mean, particularly for smaller countries, is um, potentially will open up opportunities by being an Olympic recognised sport. Equally important is the Paralympics. Um, I think we all agree that bowls is a fantastic sport for people with a disability and um, if we can create even a stronger pathway for for those players through to the the Paralympics, then that that would be fantastic. We were in the Paralympics back in Atlanta in 1996, so up until that time we were actually a Paralympic sport. So one could argue that it might be easier, probably will be easier to become a Paralympic sport as opposed to the Olympics. Um, being recognised is one thing, is important from a funding point of view and opening up opportunities in other multi-sport events across the world. Will we ever get into the Olympics? I, I reckon it's going to be hard. That would be my kind of opinion right now. It's going to be really difficult listening to to what's going on around uh, international sport. Um, there's absolutely a focus on youth. There's a focus on extreme sports. There's a focus on e-sports, uh, sports that can bring in massive um, television rights deals. They, they are going to be looked at from the IOC's perspective, um, I suppose, as a far greater, uh, more value to the whole Olympics movement. So events is one thing. I talked a bit about governance um, and how I think what I've been trying to do since I started is open up lines of communication and and really listening to the regions through Ian through to the the member the member countries in terms of what they what support they need and um, and some of it as I said before because they're very small it is quite basic and basic support around coaching umpiring. Equipment. Equipment's a really important area, bowls equipment. You know, some countries don't actually have the basics of uh, bowls, mats and jacks, so how we can actually get equipment into their hands is important. We recently supported a coaching and umpiring course in Namibia in, in Africa, so I think that's an example of what we can do is provide some funding to support 
the running of courses, upskilling people within their own uh, regions. So uh, one of the big goals for me is how do I get more money into World Bowls that, that, that we can then invest back into the regions and then into the um, into the countries. Ideally, we would be investing quite into the regions so that we can set the regions up to be stronger right across the world. I can probably talk for a while, but I might pause a moment and, and Ian might want to add something and then there'll probably be subsequent questions that will come out from what I've just started talking about. Ian, do you have anything uh, to add to what World Balls does? Did, did you say something to me, Daryl? I, I missed yeah. that. I'm sorry. Sorry, uh, Ian, I was just wondering, did, uh, do you have anything to add to, to what World Bulls says for, for Bulls in, in the, uh, around the world? Well, that's a, that's a, that's really a new question. But I just do want to say this, is that what we are trying to establish in is, is for example, the America's Challenge. Uh, we, we do want to get away from being strictly um, sponsoring an event, as, as Neil said, and, and you know. Um, but um, we have spoken about um, uh, coaching, a coaching committee. Um, we, we, you know, that, that's, that's a new initiative and a good initiative. Of course, we're involved in the, the rules. Um, that's a, a standing committee. Um, people are involved in it. We had um, Nick Watkins. Um, uh, I think, I don't know if Nick is still uh, on, on that uh, committee. He's resigned recently, Ian. Yeah. 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 Uh, I wondered that. Um, and um, so we do rules and we do, we're going to do coaching. And I think that we're going to uh, put money as best we can into developing such a thing as the America's Challenge. And we just did the Oceana uh, event. Uh, so the, the, these are new things. Uh, it's new thinking coming from the board uh, in, in conjunction with Neil. Uh, we're we're invigorated by his uh, openness and willingness to talk to us, uh, as as uh, as on a sort of a peer basis, as opposed to he reports to us or we leave everything to him kind of basis. So, um, what does World Bowls do? Just in, we're going to try and do more than we've been doing. Put it that way. Perhaps to add to that, uh, Michael and Daryl, um, particularly around events, one thing that's come out and, and we've started to use uh, technology to help run our competitions and events. And um, so what we're looking to do is provide that technology for our members and regions so that they can run their competitions in a more efficient way using a, a system which is obviously built for bowls and um, can actually run the whole competition in, a, in an online cloud environment whereby it's uh, quite intuitive and um, easy to operate. So yeah, I think there's certainly in my recent conversations and meetings with you know, many countries, they're quite really, they're quite interested in uh, using that as opposed to what perhaps they've done in the past, which might be pen and paper or um, or uh, slides up on a, on a, on a sheet. So it's yeah, trying to move, move the sport forward to make, you know, make it a lot easier for our volunteers in particular. So, so I feel like I'll uh, sort of jump forward with some of our questions because we did sort of go into a couple of the topics we wanted to cover yeah. here today. So we, we, we did talk about, uh, I think Neil said, uh, 58 member nations uh, for World Bowls. Uh, we, we had 57 in our sort of 
list here that we had. So 58. Uh, so it's obviously been developing and there's uh, some new nations that have come in there uh, fairly recently. Uh, additionally, Ian has been talking about the America's Challenge, which is essentially a new event that's being uh, going to be happening eventually sometime soon here because uh, in the last well, five, six years, we've seen the North American challenge in North America essentially disappear. And there's not really any sort of World Bulls uh, sanctioned events in North America. Uh, so we'll sort of start out with the first part there. So 58 member nations. Uh, yes. Do you see there being possibilities of further expansion of Bulls across the world? Like, is there certain areas that are growing kind of exponentially or what's sort of happening with Bulls growth across yeah. the world? Yeah, no, there's... Um... Michael, excuse me, there's been a lot of, uh, I've, I've had received a lot of approaches from different countries around the world and regions too. Um, so there's interest there, but in, in a lot of cases, it's really trying to work out how serious they are. Are they um, an expat that has moved to that particular country? And uh, not to be funny about it, but I mean, uh, sometimes I wonder whether it's a person who just wants to represent their country in a in an event. <laughs> that's why they want to set up a um, a new country. So I think that's what I and the board and the regions we just need to be careful and do our due diligence around any country that says or person that says they're representing a country that they want to set up. I'm, I met one of the key um, persons in Pakistan bowls. And he runs an uh, Indian restaurant in Glasgow. So um, this is this is what happens. There are expats. And in the World Championships coming up, um, there are a lot of countries being represented by people who live in not in that country or their country of birth or their country where they're a citizen. So, yeah, there's, there's certainly I need, you need to kind of cut through some of that and, and see what sits behind their inquiry about how serious are they to... Uh, establish a bowls association or federation in that particular country and what infrastructure uh, as Ian and I've talked about you know all bowls is bowls and um, it they don't necessarily have to have a green as we know it an outdoor green that's with fixed infrastructure that they could be playing short mat bowls they could be playing a uh, rolling a piece of carpet out in a hallway uh, I, I saw in Wales and witnessed, and Ian's familiar with the short mat game, but in Wales, in villages right across Wales, short mat bowls is huge. And it's, you know, it's the way people actually get into bowls by playing short mat, and it's in a village hall. So it's very easy to operate. You can roll it up, roll it out, play your game of bowls, roll it up, pack it away, go to the pub for a beer, and that's just that's your game of bowls. So I think what we all need to get our heads around as a sport is that that is bowls just as much as it is bowls at the world championship or Commonwealth games. It's a different form of bowls, but it's still rolling a bowl down a green. And, uh, and the sooner we get there, which we, which we're moving quickly. And that's probably uh, to answer the question. There are countries that are playing short map bowls in Scandinavia, uh, Norway, Belgium, Denmark, who are not members of World Bowls but play short mat bowls. Now, my question is why aren't they members of World Bowls? Well, if we're all together with short mat bowls, World Bowls, we come together, those countries will be part of the family of, of World Bowls. And and that so there's some easy kind of when I say easy, it's not that easy, but it's um 
there are some easy pickings of countries that play bowls now that are not members of World Bowls, and they should be. And um, I suppose Europe's an example where there are, it's quite a strong sport in Europe and through the UK. Countries, as I mentioned, Scandinavia, there's a real interest at the moment in West Asia, which is around Iran and um, the, the Saudis, the Dubai, UAE. Um, a lot of expats obviously live, expats being mainly um, uh, English, Scottish, UK expats that live in those parts uh, and also a lot of uh, Southeast Asian people living there too. So there's certainly an opportunity there. The sport's going quite well in Asia. There's, it's quite strong in Asia with uh, actually one area of the, of the world where the sport's actually growing in participation through Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, uh, Japan, uh, Thailand, Philippines, all quite, they're operating quite well. And we'll probably see their continued growth and uh, improvement at the World Championships in, the, in a couple of weeks. I mean, they're getting stronger and stronger and they're becoming more competitive uh, on the world stage. Um, Oceania is a real mixture with um, Australia and New Zealand being obviously the bigger countries and then lots of small countries. A number of small islands, countries that are interested in joining, again, with expats um, living, some of them living in New Zealand, but from those particular islands. The Americas region, we've, you know, Ian and I have spent a okay. fair bit of time. I found this on the web for countries. Sorry, sorry. USA, Canada, and then, the, we, you know, there's certainly the potential. We certainly want to work hard on the US and try and grow the sport. I think we all agree in, in any international sport, sporting market, the US is very important. And um, how can we get the sport more mainstream in the US? How do we get those events happening? But even more clubs, more bowlers. It's, uh, I think, um, talking to Henselite, one of the bowls manufacturers, they're selling a lot of bowls in the US at the moment. They've got an active uh, distributor. But the good thing is there's people are buying bowls. And interestingly, in the UK, I met with um, Taylor Bowls and also Drake's Pride. They said they've never been busier in selling bowls in, in the UK. There's uh, out, Coming out of COVID, they're, they're getting regular inquiries about purchasing bowls. So, so something's going right around the world. There's the sport, you know, there's, there's, there's activity happening in, in different markets. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, it's exciting. But, yeah, growing the number of countries is important because if we want to be considered as an Olympic sport or a Paralympic sport, we need to get those numbers I believe, like beyond a hundred, ideally, I think getting to a, a number around about seventy-five in the first instance is is my target. And then, how do we get keep growing the numbers? Um, but it needs to be a sustainable growth, not just growth for the sake of it. And I know I think some sports, and I will mention the names of baseball, softball. They when they certainly went down the path of Olympics, they went they travelled the world and just signed up every country, you know, every, every any country that looked like they were interested, they became a member of baseball and softball. You know, that's one way of doing it, but I think we want sustainable growth and, and um, you know, we, we certainly we want more countries playing and we want, we want the sport to be more visible and people understand. A lot of people in the US, and I'll talk a bit more about this World Bowl series and World Bowls Premier League soon, but... Um, a lot of people we've spoken to in, in different uh, agencies and sports betting companies 
they don't have a clue what bowls is. They reckon they might have seen it once, but they've got no idea. So the sport's not that visible and strong on a global scale. <laughs> uh, wanted to quickly circle back to one thing you mentioned. We've talked about it before on the show, and it's short mat. Um, we see it in the world, and we see it um, probably similar in, in Canada, where um, we've got kind of the Bulls associations, and then we've got the short mat associations. Do you see uh, a bridge of getting those two groups together and, and becoming sort of one happy family? Well, that's yeah, absolutely, Daryl. That's uh, that's what I'm working on. Not not just with short mat, but with uh, disability bowls, and there's also international indoor bowls council as well. So. In the UK, as an example, they're very fractured. So you have peak bodies for outdoor, indoor, short mat, disability, men, women. You know, we've got in some in Wales, there are six different national peak bodies. So it's clear that if World Bowls can take the lead and unify those organisations. We need to speak with, with one voice uh, on a global scale. We need to speak as if we're, we're in charge of the, of the sport and that we are one. So I was fortunate to meet Daryl. I meet the, um, the chair of the World Short Mat Council while I was in England. And um, so, yeah, they're, look, they're very keen to work together, to collaborate. I've got to be careful, you know, we, we don't want it seen be seen as a takeover. I mean, we need people to come with us willingly and they need to be treated respectfully and and we come together for the right reason. And so I think in some cases that'll take a little bit of time, but I think with short mat, it's a great entrance to the entrance or entree to the sport of bowls, but it's its its its, its own sport. It's its own bowls in its own right. And um, the World Short Mat have their own world championship, which they've got locked in for the next six years um primarily the world short mat council just run the world championships they don't do much else there is a a world short mat bowls tour which is primarily in uk and uh, scandinavia so they don't have much to do with that but i think as a way of getting uh countries started in bowls then short mat absolutely is is one option and short mat can exist as i mentioned in wales it's it can coexist with other formats of bowls. So, um, and because it's so easy to set up and cost effective, it's a, it's an obvious way for world bowls to become part of short mat. So I'd like to see short mat and world short mat, world bowls working hand in hand or as one in the future. So I'll, I'll throw a question over to Ian here. Uh, so we sort of touched on it briefly, uh, about the America's challenge and sort of how the North American challenges sort of disappeared here. So uh, the plans when we had sort of gotten some information is that the America's challenge would be coming potentially in 2024, 2025. Uh, do you have any more information or updated information about what's sort of happening with that? Uh, none whatsoever, Michael, but I, I will will say it. you're absolutely right on the money. 2024 20, or 2025, we would like it to be 2024. Uh, we've got the buy-in. Um, we have uh, one hiccup, um, Argentina. Uh, as you, if you followed the economy of that uh, nation, uh, it's uh, it's it's very dire 
Um, and um, so they've been a bit uh, reluctant to move forward. Uh, we'd like them, we've got to find a way to bring them into the fold. Um, and it may have to go to the Pakistani uh, running a, a, a coffee shop or something in a Scotland basis. Uh, a friend, of, a bowling friend of mine, is actually from Argentina, and he plays out a very good bowler. And he could, uh, he could maybe represent uh, Argentina. But that's joking aside. Uh, it's moving along. We just got uh, the summer is on top of us right now. Uh, people are bowling. They're traveling uh, for vacation time, and this, and it's really hard to get people to around the table. We've got support from uh, Canada. Uh, the United States, um, Jamaica, and Brazil, and um, so I, I think that we will put together something, and I think it will be 2024. It, it probably will be. Uh, well, we're talking about somewhere in uh, California or Arizona, but we had our sights set on Florida, but it may not be possible. Uh, and it could be later in the in 2024, as opposed to our original target date of sometime in April. There's a lot of work to be done, as you can imagine. Uh, you know, you've got to find the right club, and it's got to have the volunteers, and you've got to just go on and on and on and on. But I th I, I'm hoping that we'll come to a shortened version, as opposed to having singles, pairs, trips, and pours. I don't think we need to have that. Um, that many uh, formats, I think we could probably do with less and therefore keep the cost down and keep the uh, uh, club activity to somewhat a reasonable amount as opposed to commandeering a, a club for a week or something like. As you know, what happens with uh, the nationals here, they, you know, so is that uh, somewhat of a good answer or? Just to, to tie up kind of that kind of uh, line of questioning, um, in North America and South America, um, we kind of, or I kind of categorize us as kind of those, the low and mid kind of tier countries where we're almost there, but not quite in some areas and other ones are just developing. Um, we've obviously got some major overly developed uh, countries like Scotland and England that um, our powerhouses, Australia, New Zealand. Um, what kind of uh, influence do you think World Bulls can have to bring up the, the mid to low tier so uh, we see growth and, uh, yeah. I guess, even results internationally? Yeah. Um, Daryl, that's a good question. And um, I think you're right. The, uh, the, some of those bigger countries are more established. They've got staff. They've got, you know, well-established well competition structures, um, coaching programs, development programs. So they certainly they don't need as much assistance um, from World Bowls as those perhaps low to mid-tier countries. But just on that, they do pay a lot of money to World Bowls too. So um, so it's kind of this balancing act. These You've got to kind of keep them on side. They've got to, they, they've got to as I did with World Bowls when I was CEO of Bowls Australia, you look at how much we spend, you know, we, we contribute financially to World Bowls. We Often the view of uh, of that is of that person like me, in, when I was in that role, was uh, what do we get for our money? You know, what is World Bowls doing? So I suppose balancing uh, the return on investment, which you know people are going to look at. Of course, they're going to look at what what they get for their money. So where some of the some of our, our membership model is. Um, 
at the the lower countries pay very little or very because they're very small in terms of numbers and that's historically what the the, the financial men, membership system was based on was the number of bowlers um, so therefore if you had a very small number of bowlers you know some countries pay well bowls a hundred hundred dollars Australian or 50 pounds you know so if we increase the fees by 10 percent you know it's a it's it's 10 bucks you know for, for a whole country so so therefore they're probably in that model they're getting good value for the money they get to enter in, in international competitions we we treat everyone equally well that's my philosophy as whether you're australia or samoa you'll get the same service as you know fr from me because it's that's that's the way it is and um, and actually to be honest i'm uh, I don't want to, you know, being Australian, being from one of the bigger countries, I'm kind of distancing myself a little bit from, from Australia. I, I need to be independent, not biased, pardon the pun, but be very um, be very fair to everybody. So, uh, But I, I think the way I see it at the moment is that the, the greatest uh, opportunity for growth is in those low to mid-tier mid countries because... The very small ones are, are, are very volunteer-based. The larger ones, as I mentioned before, have got the structures, the staff. You know, they're employing lots of people to work in bowls. And then it's the people, organisations, countries in the mid-tier that need our support and probably are on the precipice of something really good with a bit of help, with a bit of guidance, a bit of support, a bit of investment, a bit of funding. And that's where I think we can probably have the greatest traction is to, if we can invest more, I know it's not all about money because it's about advice, but if we've got more money interna internationally at World Bowls and we can invest in programs and, and enable people on the ground, train people up in the regions to deliver better programs, better coaching, better umpiring, better game development programs, then then we will grow and those mid to low to mid level countries will will grow into the future and and i think just you know advice on short mat uh getting having i suppose unifying the sport our sport at international level and hopefully that will flow down to that national level where we don't have the the fractured fractured kind of governance model and that we can obviously bring people together and, and in some cases we'd be saving a lot of money by having one organization as opposed to two three or four so but it's all about the thinking and making sure we're all heading in the in the one direction so uh, so yeah it's uh, but i think it's it's a good point the mid mid-tier countries are, are very important just add one thing, if I may, before another question pops up. Um, we have uh, discussed the uh, the idea of having a buddy system, and and now how how that might work is, uh, let's say, Canada might uh, align itself with, let's let's say, Brazil, and the United States uh, might align itself with Argentina. Somehow or other, that there's a, a sort of a. a a relationship that's close to each other as opposed to far away. Um, so I don't know uh, where we are with that program, but it's something we've talked about. Uh, I think it's something Ian will talk about. We've got a council meeting um, where a, a lot of the countries come, but yeah, not all of the right people actually come to that meeting in terms of when I say right people, it's, uh, it's the people who are attending the world championship. So we have a, a council meeting for world bowls and then representatives of each of as many countries as possible will come to that meeting and that's where we do talk a bit about 
the you know the buddy system and any other development or growth initiatives but um yeah it's it's certainly an opportunity to get some some ideas so neil uh in your a lot of your answers you have been sort of referencing meeting with uh different groups and sort of traveling around uh getting to meet different i guess <laughs> parties, uh, whatever it might be, the people who are in part of the different uh, countries. So uh, it sounds like you've been traveling around the world, meeting different member nations. Uh, what's been your big takeaways from all your visits across uh, all, of, all the places you've been going? Yeah. I haven't been going that far. Am I? I don't want to come across <laughs> as if I'm a world traveler. But, I've had yeah, but we want him to come here shortly. <laughs> I think U.S., Canada, U.S. is the next trip. Ian's good advocate for that. So I think it's uh, – and I, I've got to be very strategic about where I go because we don't have a lot of money. <clears throat> and um, so it has to be you know, a really good reason to go. And so I went to um, uh, Malay Malaysia in February early this year, and that was at the um, Asian Lawn Bowls Championship in a place called Ipo, Ipo which is uh, three hours north of Kuala Lumpur. And uh, uh, what it enabled me to do is meet all the Asian countries or certainly most of them and certainly many of the key players. So that was important. Um, and more just the fact that I can meet them face-to-face -face and understand uh, how the sport is travelling in that part of the world. And <clears throat> they certainly appreciated me being there. And I think, you know, Asia is interesting there's there was a view that there's too much focus and you might have a similar view that there's too much focus on the northern hemisphere which you're part of obviously northern and southern but i think when they talk about the northern hemisphere they're they're really referring to the uk and um so there was a i a strong they they didn't actually come out and say it but i could feel it they said well we're a forgotten group of bowls organizations in asia so that was strategically important i don't want canada and and the us to feel like that so that's why this is a trip there is very important uh the trip to the uk was yeah look this but world bowls has been based in the uk for many years as as ian knows so uh, you know meeting with a number of the the countries was was important uh going to meet with the Bowls England board, meeting with the CEOs of Bowls Scotland, Bowls England, meeting with all of the officials from Bowls Wales. Uh, as I said, I met, met some guy from Pakistan. And, and then I, on my way back, I went to Switzerland, which, um, which was kind of on my way home. Uh, as you can imagine, it's a long trip from, uh, from uh, England or Scotland back to Australia. So going to the, the um, Lausanne uh, in where the IOC is based and meeting with a number of international sporting groups. I think the interesting thing there is that there is one building in Lausanne that has uh, almost every international federation uh, or, you know, people like WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Authority, who's you know, quite important for, for World Bowls. Um, so it was really fascinating to look. There's, no, there's actually no one there. A lot of these international federations have offices, but they don't actually have anyone in them. But it's all probably for, for tax reasons. And um, and it's it's about being in it's – a, it's a world sporting hub, Lusan. And so that probably hit home to me, you know, the importance of where – we need to be global bowls. We need to actually spread our wings and connect with these. There's so many people out there in world sport running events, running 
uh, doping, running, you know, all different activities and we need to be connected with these um, people and we need to be viewed on a kind of a platform that sees that, you know, bowls, world bowls is, is part of this um, fraternity. So that was uh, that was important. Um, I, I mentioned before I met with some of the um, the bowls manufacturers who we have four licensed bowls manufacturers in the world. So you, you guys would know Henselite, Taylor, Drake's, Pride, and also Aero. So we have four, and each of those manufacturers pay World Bowls a license fee to to be able to make bowls. So. Two of them are based in Australia. Two of them are based in England and Scotland. So being able to meet them was important. Uh, an interesting meeting, I met a couple of the uh, suppliers of carpet and synthetic carpet and also short mat bowls. So um, Dales Sports and a company called Green Gauge are both um, very active in building greens, so building synthetic surfaces or carpet uh, around the world and also providing or selling short mat bowls, mats. So, um, so yeah, it was key. It was good to hear where, how their businesses are, are travelling and they they also pay World Bowls a licence fee. So it was a good good to connect with them. Um, and then I met with the people like, uh, you'll probably be familiar with the PBA, uh, the World Bowls Tour that run the uh, Potters. And uh, so I met with them. Uh, they're, they're hooked up, or the International Indoor Bowls Council uh, are also uh, they're a, a party to the, the World Bowls Tour. So that was uh, good to meet with them. And we've been talking to them about how they could fit in with the um, this proposed World Bowls Tour or World Bowls Series that we're looking to establish in 2024, which, you know, the America's Challenge, the US Open, if we can get that, up and going, uh, two events that we would see being on this uh, calendar for World Bowls and be sanctioned events by World Bowls, which would then accrue ranking points uh, into an, an overall world ranking system that uh, we're hoping to launch by the end of this year for 2024. It's, you know, we're building something from scratch, so it's going to take time, but we want to create more interest in the sport globally. And one way of doing that is to have a, a ranking system and a tour, basically, where players like us, Ian, myself, we might want to go and get, we might want to have a world ranking, you know, play in some events where we actually get a world ranking. So, um, and I think that's, you know, we've got some people helping us on this that have been, uh, have done something similar with tennis, the APT tour. You look at the golf tours, you look at tours now that are running in, in surfing, in um, beach volleyball, uh, you know, these tours run around the world. Table tennis is another one, and um, and we see that could that would be important to just to grow the 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 profile of the sport uh, globally. So yeah, look, there was lots lots that came out of those meetings, and uh, yeah, as, as I've touched on before, the Olympic recognition is is one of them, which is uh, the the path there is around. World Bowls becoming a member of the World Patonk and Bowls Federation. So if we become an affiliate of them, then Bowls would then, uh, they're already IOC recognised, so um, that we would become IOC recognised by becoming a member of them. The alternative is we go, go alone and we try and seek IOC recognition as a standalone sport, which is absolutely possible. But at the moment... 
from all my advice and the the information that I got, then our best bet right now is to go down that path, which would then, as I mentioned before, open up doors for all of smaller members who would then become Olympic recognised and thus there could be funding available from their peak sports federations under that model. Even though we're not even though we're not in the Olympics, just being recognised is a is a major step forward. Yeah, Daryl. Daryl, you you've spent time. I don't know about you, Michael, but uh, Daryl, you've spent time in Australia, correct? Uh, and it's particularly at Broad Beach. And um, I just uh, just wondering how uh, what your experience. I'm going to ask you the question. We turn you you you're now being interrogated, not not Neil and I. Uh, is um, just how how you uh, have been receiving Neil's information, um, and uh, how you might ask the next question that might be uh, uh, really uh, interesting for. Cause I, I, I'm finding some of this stuff uh, that Neil is saying. I've read his report, and um, I'm starting to think. I'm hearing it differently uh, now that I've got the the gentleman Neil in front of me, and I'm listening to it. So, how do, can you give us something back from your observation? that Neil can take away. Um... Uh, well, well, I know uh, both, uh, for me, coaching, I, I did get to uh, to bowl a little bit down there, but I, I got to see all the background stuff, um, meet with a, a bunch of the um, coaches from other countries, which was fantastic. Um, Mike got to actually play down there uh, when he was on the national team. Um, okay. The, the, the big thing for me... Uh, is just the growth of the sport internationally. Um, I've seen some of the smaller countries come, you know, play in, a, in an event, and then I never see those people again, which is sometimes a struggle. You know, you're excited to see them come in, but you want to see them again, and you want to see them get better. So from a coaching perspective, um, for me, it's exciting to hear some of the, the plans to build some some stuff and uh, even connect with Shortmat just to uh, to grow the sport, grow the recognition of the sport, and um, hopefully, um, uh, for for my benefit, um, grow the coaching and uh, see those uh, countries that um, that are in some competitions and not. Um, we we will see them at World Bowls. There's a whole bunch of them there. We'll we'll talk about that a little later. But that's really the exciting part for me. What about you, Mike? So, so in other words, uh, if I may put words in your mouth, uh, we're somewhat on the right track. I think so. I think so. I'm sorry, I, Michael. Yeah, no, Daryl like, sort of threw me the question there. Like, uh, I would say the information about the, the talks or sort of the dialogue going on between Short Mad and World Bulls is uh, very good thing in my mind or a very important thing. It's something I've brought up on the podcast multiple times um, is that I see short map being a big opportunity or a, an inroad that could be made for a lot of countries to give it a shot or potentially give it a go. Cause it's not exactly cheap to construct a traditional Lombles green uh, and maintain it. Everything associated with that, uh, getting yourself a carpet that you can roll out in a hall, a uh, gymnasium, whatever it might be that's uh, a little more feasible for a lot of people. So it's good to see that that sort of talking is happening. Cause I know that's something I've talked about to with Daryl. And I think on the air a few times is that it's very confusing in Canada. Like we have many, many short mat clubs and we have a separate Canadian short mat association 
but then we don't have like a Canadian, like a, and they have a Canadian short mat championship, but then it's not like recognized by Bulls, uh, Bulls yeah. Canada. And then it's just kind of a weird, they almost like don't seem to coexist. So it's, it's encouraging to hear that at least there's dialogue happening and that hopefully maybe there's a merger or something down the line where we can kind of work together and sort of actually get along because they are very, very similar sports. One thing that I, I can I ask a question of Daryl? I'm not trying to take over here. I'm just trying to just go through some ideas. Uh, the Olympics are coming to Australia, and we might be a host, being the host nation, Australia might be able to get uh, get bowls, our familiar game of bowls, outdoor bowls, as a demonstration sport. That's exciting. Is that correct, Neil? Um, look, it's it's not a demonstration sport anymore. No, it's um, so all the sports. Uh, some sports will come in uh, on the recommendation of the local organising committee. So, in the case of Brisbane twenty thirty two, the committee will say, "Here are the core sports." Which I've had this explained to me, so it's a, I'm a, I'm a lot clearer about it now. There are twenty eight core sports. So really, then there are often the, there might be one, two, or three that are invited to come in to be one of those twenty-eight because one of the twenty-eight can't can't be demonstrated in that particular country. So ultimately, the IOC has the final say on on that. And um, and if I'm a, a betting man, which I sometimes am. Um, that uh, cricket will be in the, the Olympics in 2028 in Los Angeles, T20 cricket, and will be in 2032. I could almost put a lot of money on that. I think that would be the case. Uh, here's one for you. Um, don't, how, how many people listen to this podcast? Uh, we're almost at 4,000 subscribers. and following. I'll just be careful what I say. I reckon <laughs> esports sports will be in the 2032 Olympics. E-sports, that's E, mm-hmm. uh, not X, but e-sports will be in. So that'll be a medal sport. Some would argue, is it a sport? But it is these days. So, um, so yeah, it's um, it's a changing landscape. But, look, it's look, I won't discount um, our optimism is that we, we might get we, – we'll, we, we'll be trying to get bowls in in 2032. You know what, though? But it mightn't be what we all think. It might be short, Matt. And it might be, um, it could be something, you know, it'll be certainly the format will have to be fast, engaging, exciting for spectators, for broadcasters. And and I suppose I go back to cricket, you know, the reason why cricket's going to get in because um, $350 million from, of broadcast fees will come into the IOC from India. And that's where the eyeballs will, will, will speak in terms of who gets in. And I think the other example is that I mentioned baseball and softball. I mean, they come in in and out of Olympics depending on the host. And um, the US obviously hosting Los, Los Angeles in 28. Baseball and softball are strong sports in the US. So, yep, they'll be in Los Angeles. They'll probably be in, 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 um, in Brisbane as well, maybe. But, yeah, someone's really got to drop out. And as it was explained to me, Modern pentathlon is an Olympic sport. And um, one could argue, well, how does modern pentathlon stay in the Olympics? Well, there's also connections, you know. There's political connections here, and that's why. So there's... There's there's a lot there's a lot goes on in this world of world of sport and not all of it makes sense. 
but there's a lot going on behind, whether it's money, whether it's political, and you've got to really advocate your sport um, strongly. And I think getting back to if we get Olympic recognition, recognition we can get into the Pan, Pan American Games. We can get into the World Games, which are in China in 2025. At the moment, we can't get in. We're not allowed to participate in those sports because we're not Olympic recognised. So there's a whole other range of events, multi-sport events that could get us in, which would then showcase the sport of bowls and then possibly position us better for Olympics and Paralympics. I mean, it does sound exciting. I know uh, when uh, bowls was brought up as initially possibly going into the Olympics or at least going down that path, um, a lot of people are excited to see where that would go. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, being at some of the events and, and knowing firsthand uh, all the stuff that goes into it, it's not surprising that it will take a while, um, but hopefully uh, we will get there. That kind of leads me into uh, another question, which uh, is not so positive, I guess, but um, obviously the big talk uh, of uh, of right now is the Commonwealth Games. Um I know for me, the initial fear was when um, I heard that uh, Bulls was no longer a core sport in the Commonwealth Games. I thought that was uh, something interesting. But now with um, Victoria not hosting in 2026 and uh, Alberta, Canada just recently pulling out uh, their attempt for uh, 2030, um, I guess the general question is, uh, what is happening with one of the biggest events in the Bulls calendar? So, yeah, that was extremely disappointing, uh, Victoria pulling out. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. Um, uh, running a regional games was always going to be a challenge. So they were running I, – I come from Melbourne in Victoria, so that's it's my home state. Um, the, the government definitely ran here. The state government was the one that bidded for it. Uh, they, their choice was to run a regional games, which obviously meant – uh, more uh, investment in infrastructure because um, some of those regions didn't have the um, the facilities to to deliver the games. Uh, what would have been a better decision in hindsight would have been to run the games in Melbourne as they did in 2006, uh, and it would have been way more cost effective. I think the the damage that the fallout is still con- is is occurring from that that decision and. Unfortunately, Alberta is, and that's. That, I think that was certainly part of the fallout. Uh, we're fortunate that, I suppose, from a positive perspective, the World Bowls president, uh, Daryl Clout, um, is based in Australia. He's also on the Commonwealth Games Australia board, so he has great insights into what's happening behind the scenes. I know that um, that Australia uh, or the Commonwealth Games Australia are looking and approaching other governments here in in Australia to see whether they might um, take the Games in 26. I know after meeting the Commonwealth Games Federation, unfortunately, the decision came after I'd met them. They were really looking forward to 26 and 30. But I know uh, talking to people in the UK, there's certainly um, interest from England and uh, Scotland as a combined uh, bid for 26. Uh, There's certainly been interest from other countries around the world too. Uh, I remain optimistic that that they'll find someone. I know some people say to me, oh, that's the end of the Commonwealth Games. I don't think so. I think that we'll find the CGF, the Commonwealth Games Federation, which is the international body, 
uh, they will find another host in 26. And I, you know, I, I think you've got to remain positive and optimistic. Bowls, yeah, it's not a core sport anymore. Only athletics and swimming are. They've, they've gone down the path a bit like the IOC now, looking at more flexibility for the host countries to choose, you know, the sports that are part of the program. I mean, fortunately for, for bowls, we're, we're strong in the Commonwealth. Most, most Commonwealth countries we're, we're pretty strong in. So, again, bowls should be in Commonwealth Games into the future. But I suppose it's a bit of a, a, bit of a, a, a time that for, for us at World Bowls is to now look at, well, if, if the Commonwealth Games wasn't there, well, what would, what would our event calendar look like? And, um, I mean, that certainly looks, you know, we'd focus on our world championship. And as I mentioned before, I mean, trying to get into some of those multi-sport games uh, like the World Games, which is a pretty big event. Uh, as I said, it's in China in 2025 that we, we, we need to start to look at some of those. One of my tasks that I'm going to do is to put together... Uh, some sort of a, a paper around um, the whole event structure going forward, which will come to the the World Bowls board first. But it really map out what is our event structure, what is what is the uh, the quali- you know, what qualifiers do we have for World Championships? What are those other events that potentially uh, bowls might be part of? So um, it's just a Unfortunately, it's yeah, not good with the Commonwealth Games, but it certainly gives us a bit of a prompt to say, well, okay, what is our pathway? What are what events are we going to um, be part of into the future? That's that's uh, good to hear that there's at least sort of the the background planning or at least <laughs> idea that there could be. I guess muddy water ahead or something along those lines. So at least the the thoughts are there. So if there was ever a essentially like a pared down version of the Commonwealth Games where maybe they just go with those core sports, uh, you sort of touched on that you'd say World Bowls is looking at sort of what would an international calendar look like. Would uh, would it potentially be like an expansion of the current World Championships is sort of what you guys are envisioning? Or is it more of like, uh, I guess, running it maybe every two years type of a thing to essentially replace Commonwealth Games? Or how would that sort of be looking? Well, we're running, Michael, we're running the uh, world, world Champs every two years now. Uh, again, I'm not 100% sure that that's the best model. I, one, one idea that I've had is you know, how do we make the regional events more uh, meaningful and uh, how, how could they become qualifiers for a, a world championship? So that could be the America's Challenge or, you know, we, as you guys would know, we used to have the Atlantic Rim and the Asia-Pacific as qualifiers that would feed into the World Championship, and that's when the World Championship was run every four years. So I, I'm thinking that we need, you know, we need to work on how we make those regional events more meaningful. We, we run a regional event now in every region. So there's, as Ian mentioned, we've had the Oceania Challenge, the uh, America's Challenge, which will run next year, and hopefully we run next year. We will run next year. Uh, Asia, Asian Lawn Bowls Championship, the African States, and the European Championship. So there's something happening all around the world. But right now, those events just get played for competition and for the winners and the medals. And but there's nothing that kind of it doesn't go on to anything. So and. Perhaps it doesn't have to, but I think if you make them more meaningful, and that's that's certainly one step. And then um, 
as I touched on before, this World Bowls series where we have events that are sanctioned by World Bowls. So I'd see those regional events accruing uh, ranking points. So that would be something that, you know, the players that attend those events would achieve. And uh, given that they're playing country versus country, I think that makes sense. And again, having them as a World Bowl sanctioned event and World Bowl supporting, you know, making sure that they're streaming and good coverage of, of those events and, and good publicity and marketing and media around those events. That's where I think we can add some more value to the whole, to the whole calendar. So we've talked about it a little bit on the on the podcast, and uh, you brought it up a little bit earlier. What can you tell us about the World Bulls Premier League? Uh, we've got, we've we've gone out publicly for an expression of interest for for a, a Premier League that um, that would would operate uh, probably across two two events. Um, it certainly again it would be uh, very much a television broadcast event, uh, a franchise model. Uh, we've had uh, we had 14 expressions of interest. Now that's kind of down to about eight or nine. So we're now working on the whole, what does this look like in terms of a business model? I mean, how much is it going to cost to... to we've, we've, we've put in a, a broad uh, kind of financial amount that it would cost to become a franchisee. And now it's really, we're in this stage where it's um, we're doing the business model on what that looks like how much does it cost how much prize money kind of all of the um the detail around that particular league so that the world bowls premier league the concept is to have a you know, a franchise model countries owners from around the world we can't be all just from australia and new zealand we need it it needs to be global so um if we can't achieve a global reach then i don't think we'll do it We'll certainly be doing the World Bowl series, which is the, the, the rankings and the sanctioning. But um, ideally, we would have this event where it's, again, it's a global event that fits within the whole World Bowls series. So, um, so yeah, we're kind of getting – we're at the stage where we're working through that and, you know, within the next weeks, months, hopefully we can nail it or, or not. So in your, I guess, answer there, you talked about sort of the ranking system uh, that you guys intend to sort of use with World Bulls. Could you sort of elaborate what exactly that ranking system, uh, how it's going to look or how it works? So we're going to have, uh, Michael, three, probably three levels, like Premier events, Gold, Silver, and then depending on their, their size, their prize money, a range of criteria, events will be slotted in at those levels and then um, ranking points will be allocated, again, according to the, the number of uh, the size of the event. There'll be X number of ranking points uh, accrued or applied to those events and the disciplines. And so we'll, we'll apply, obviously, ranking points for, for disciplines on a you know, singles, pairs, triples, depending on what events they run. And then what uh, when the event is run, um, then the results will be fed into a system to then calculate um, the ranking points. And so what we would look to do is, you know, over a calendar year, we want a good a good spread of events across the world. So it, it can't be centric to any particular region. We want enough events whereby we get a global rankings structure. And uh, uh, across the calendar year, you'll be able to follow who's number one, who's number 
250 and each month it'll kind of gradually get to the end of the, the year, the season, let's call it, and uh, potentially we'll have a, a season-ending event possibly or at least at the very end of the year we'll be able to say, you know, M- Michael is number one ranked bowler in the world. Daryl's number two. So, um, but that's – and we want men's, women's rankings so that we can actually – you know, it's something good to talk about. Uh, it's it's publicity, not not just for world bowls, but obviously for the for the countries, for the member countries as well. That seems really cool, actually. Uh, I, I'll, I'm really interested to see uh, when that rolls out. Um, I can send you um, I can send you a bit of background information. I've got a document that I can email you email to you just to give you a bit of a feel for the the spread. But the, the idea is, Daryl, that. We want to be able to say we run the America's Challenge and say a US Open and, you know, if someone, if if bowlers are travelling from the UK or Australia, I know some Australians coming to the US Open this year Mm. uh, and a number of Australians have come to the US Open before, that they come and play and, you know, and they can earn some ranking points and maybe have a holiday at the same time. That's awesome. Um, When we're talking about sort of calm games and and the Olympics, a lot of the um, newer sports, um, I'll say non-traditional sports that we've seen for, for decades and decades, like um, breakdancing, rock climbing, pickleball, esports, uh, for instance, which is always a hotly debated uh, topic. Um, do you see, uh, and I should say, um, we see the success of a lot of events in the Bulls calendar, like the BPL, the UBC, which is going on right now, you know, exciting TV, short formats. Um, do you see a, a role for the traditional game at the international level? Uh, I think there's a place for both, and um, and we 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 got to, you know, well, one could you could easily change, move a number of our international events to shorter version. We've seen, as you've just mentioned, the. Um, the two sets of five ends and a one end tie break and having um, power plays in each set. And it's exciting. Someone said to me once years and years ago, they said, what bowls needs is more consequences more often. You need more, you, you need more moments in the game to make the spectators, the people watching on TV, the better engaged with the sport. And I think that's the downside of our traditional game is that, it can kind of roll along and it's it's the traditionalists like it, but there ain't those moments that, that happens in the in the shorter version. I think we're fortunate that our sport can be modified easily, as we've seen. As you've said, uh, Daryl, BPL, UBC, a unique scoring system. I watched it yet last night and I, I've played it and it it's okay. It's 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 interesting, you know, it gives a different perspective on the sport i mean it's a basketball score not a not what we would know as a bowl score it's you know you're seeing 75 to 58 and that sort of stuff and i've played it it's a bit it's a bit slow from a participant point of view in terms of it it, you've got to concentrate on the scoring i mean you know this you tend to be scoring all the time but when you've got a marker like with a lap with an ipad sitting there on the side and and uh, and 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 marking uh, as you go with the points, then it, it flows flows pretty well. So um, so we're lucky that we can modify our sport to 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 be more appealing to a, a bigger audience and a wider audience than just our traditional bowls market. So 
Uh, world Championships, probably, yeah, for the time being, you'd probably keep the World Championships. I say probably keep the World Championships as they are, you know, 21 up, you know, 15 ends for fours and 18 ends for pairs and triples. And then for perhaps other events, you know, come off games, go to shorter version and make it more interesting. I, I've been to a number of Commonwealth games and um, I think what happens, we probably haven't sold our, our sport well because people show up and watch bowls and, you know, before we, did, we, we didn't have red and blue bowls, we do have red and blue bowls now, which makes it a little bit easier. If you show up and you see a whole lot of bowls out on the green and there's no one telling you what's going on, like how do you work out what's happening here? Like you need good good PR, good, uh, good someone over the PA system to um, explain to you what's going on. At least with red and blue, you can start to work out, well, he's got red and he's got blue, so you know who's kind of who's playing. So, uh, so yeah, I think we've, you know, the changes on bowls has made it a bit easier and we just, yeah, we probably just need to start to, the future of bowls, you know, what does bowls look like in 10 or 15 years? Well, I would probably say it's the shorter version. You know, if we want we want to remain relevant as a sport, then what what are you going to be playing out in the park? Well, I reckon it's going to be a shorter version uh, in a in a time frame that is a bit um, more friendly for everyone. Shorter, sharper, and um, yeah, get in, get out, play your game of bowls, and get home to your to your family. Well, uh, one of the things we sort of touched on in your your last, I guess, answer there was, so the World Bowls Championship uh, is just around the corner. Uh, so it's going to be occurring, well, I guess it's this month, starting <laughs> this month right away here. Um, so what can we expect uh, with, with that event occurring? You said it's more the traditional format uh, and it's sort of the 15 ends, everything like that. Is there any sort of new exciting things with World Bowls or is it sort of the, the same format and everything that we've expected yeah. from the previous ones? I think what this one, Michael, is it's it's the biggest world championship ever. So that's probably the, the main talking point. There are 44 countries. So we talk about the 58 countries affiliated with World Bowls. Well, most of them are coming to the world championship. Uh, so it is, um, and one could argue, is this the right format? You know, is it having an open championship, is that the right format? So you've got, with all due respect to a lot of the bowlers that are coming, I mean, I might be better than some of them, you know. <laughs> There's some divi- you know, division, low division, but it's, they're representing their country, so I think that's exciting. What I've seen over the years at Commonwealth Games, and, of course, this is the first world championship we've run in seven years. The last world championship was in Christchurch in 2016, which seems like a, an eternity ago. So... Um, I think what we've seen is that some of the smaller countries have definitely got more competitive. They've got stronger. You've seen uh, 2018, I think um, Cook Islands won a bronze medal. I think Norfolk Island won a bronze medal. You know, who would have predicted that? Look at India in terms of their growth over the last um, decade uh, since they ran the 2010 Commonwealth Games in Delhi. uh, Who would have predicted that? The women's fours would have won the gold medal in Commonwealth Games last year and the men's fours would have been runners-up to Ireland. Like, that is just extraordinary. So, uh, And they're coming from such a, a low base in terms of numbers of bowlers and how and their facilities are average. 
yet they can be competitive on the world stage. So I think it'll be interesting that, the, you know, the greens are going to be a lot quicker, <laughs> which means it's probably better for the, um, for the Australians and the New Zealanders. And, you know, in terms of preparing for 15 second greens versus, you know, 10 or 12 that a lot of them, a lot of people will come off. That's going to be a challenge. Um, but I think you find that it's, um, it's, it's going to be colourful. And as I say, with so many different countries being represented, it's, it'll be a great cultural exchange. Uh, and I think that's from a World Bowl's point of view, it, it, it's, it'll be good to see so many different people on the green uh, participating and, and passionately representing their countries. So for people like uh, Mike and myself who are passionate about bulls and love watching it, love seeing everything about it, uh, what can the fans expect as far as you know, TV coverage, streaming, yeah. especially for those that are outside of the Oceania region? Yeah. Uh, look, there'll be pretty good coverage. Uh, it's, it's World Bowls, just to be clear, we World Bowls, and this is before my time and probably Ian's too, is World Bowls assign the rights to Bowls Australia to run the event. So we don't have a – whilst it's our event, we don't have a lot of control over the organisation because all of the rights around broadcast and commercial and the operation and the risk too, let me say, and financial risk is with Bowls Australia. And they obviously get the, the revenue from government to run it. So we don't have a lot of say other than that um, there will be a good coverage around streaming. And I know that, yes, there'll be some, particularly the Bowls Australia will be uh, probably a bit more biased towards um, Australian matches, but they've also engaged another streaming company from a local company in, on the Gold Coast and they will be streaming other matches. So I think what we'll see across the whole event is I think lots of different countries will feature in the streaming, so that'll be via Facebook and, and YouTube. And then at the at the pointy end, it's it is broadcast, um, a professionally broadcast across the both uh, weekends of finals. Um, and so yeah, that I think that'll be broadcast whilst it's uh, geo blocked in Australia because it's through a pay TV operator. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that that can is still streamed. Uh, globally through Facebook, through Bowls Australia's Facebook. So, um, and Will Bowls will be sharing all of the uh, streaming coverage as well through our our social media platforms as well. So, I think all in all, it'll be pretty good. Yeah, it's um, again, it's it's good for the sport to have a you know strong coverage. And Will Bowls will be providing updates, you know, on our Facebook and and um, website across the whole competition as well. I had uh, awesome. one question that we, we kind of skipped over at the beginning and you talking about social media and, and your website um, leads right into it. Um, obviously, World Bowls has had a rebrand uh, with their logo and everything around it. Um, the website has had a refresh, which is awesome to see. I know uh, Mike and I have both talked about it and it's it's a lot better than it was. It looks really good and has a lot of information. Um, and seeing a lot more communication. Um, how has this change uh, helped World Bulls in in reaching uh, maybe the same people that maybe didn't know what was going on and, and new people as well? Well, we're definitely growing our. I, look, to be frank, I mean we're a small organisation. Just to be put a bit of clarity around it, I mean I'm I'm a, I'm a full time employee. Um, historically, we've really only had one one full-time employee and, and some part-timers. And even previously, before I started, one of the directors 
managed our social media accounts. And um, so, yeah, it was very much voluntary based with a, a little bit of paid staff. So under the, since I've come on board, we've, we've employed a person two days a week uh, to look after our marketing and communications and another part-timer to help out with administration. So we've probably increased our paid staff a little bit, not much, but we're still very small. And so, but one of the first things that I felt needed to be done was a, was a bit of a rebrand and, and a new kind of era for World Bowls and, and uh, having a new kind of more engaging brand was, I felt was important. So that's the path we went on and, and just uplifting given, you know, social media is obviously so important these days in terms of connecting with people, being able to tell more stories and provide more information using that uh, mechanism was, was important. So we've, we've grown our social media, media following significantly. In fact, we've probably doubled it, tripled it from where it was, given that it was a very low base. Um, yeah, that wasn't that difficult, to be frank. So, uh, But, look, it's it's all about getting and communicating what we're doing. It's not it – got. I think it's just – for me, it's about connecting. It's not about showing off. It's just saying, like, here, this is what's going on. People want information, communicating well – with with them via email, um, via social media, but connecting more than just with the administrators. I think making sure that the, the bowlers out there see what's going on too is important because you guys, as you said right from the start, you didn't have much idea what, what World Bowls did. Hopefully you do now a little bit more. I mean, it's more telling the stories of what we are doing. So that and and it's again, it's it does get back a little bit to the, what countries invest if people can see there's activity there's there's the attempt to grow the sport then i think everyone's a bit kind of willing to work together so um so yeah we we've got to work as a, a collective going forward so but making sure countries are informed bowlers are informed is is all part of it awesome but i don't have any other questions uh for the the two gents here do you have any other ones you have daryl no that was fantastic uh, awesome information uh stuff that we've been itching to ask for a while so this has been great okay we appreciate you guys uh joining us hello everyone we're back uh that was a a, a long interview but i felt it was a, a good interview we had lots of information that we actually covered there it was uh, I, I really enjoyed our, our time there with Neil. He really elaborated on a lot of things that I either had questions on or I wanted more information on. What, what do you think, Daryl? I, I, I thought it was great. Um, you don't, it's not often you get to talk to those that are in the World Bulls organization. You kind of don't uh, get to see everything that's going on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes. I mean, uh, Neil talking about, you know, talking to short mat and talking to all these other organizations to bring them kind of together um we always have questions about that so it was great to be able to just ask those questions and, and get some answers yeah no definitely has me a little excited for uh, a few of the things that are coming down the pipe uh, the ranking system sort of all the different things that he was talking about the premier league everything it's it's gonna be interesting if a lot of it sort of pans out over the next couple of years uh could be some exciting changes that we'll see on the horizon yeah, I, I hope we, we get to have some more um, really cool interviews like that. Um, we've we've been able to, to reach out and get some connections to, to people in different organizations. Um, and for us, 
like we're interested to know what's going on and we hope that we can bring that stuff to to you guys our viewers as well and um uh, it's just a it was a really cool uh cool thing when ian was uh able to to hook us up with with neil and and get that interview so cool yeah definitely so we got other uh other stuff to to jump into we've we've been going here for a while already but we we feel like we need to pass along some results because obviously we're in the middle of a canadian bowling season at this point so we do have uh, some national results to throw your way um so I'm, i'll just sort of start talking i guess because daryl had sort of told me uh to do so so the the two events that have occurred at this point uh the first one was the parables uh canadian championships uh that took place uh would have been about two weeks ago there in calgary alberta uh so the you have those results up is that right daryl i do um so i'll, I'll go with the uh, visually impaired uh results um so they're ranked uh b1 b2 b3 and b4 um, in the B1 field, uh, Randy Fred won gold. Uh, in the B2, uh, Louise McLean, who's from uh, my club, actually, she was bowling in the charity tournament, which is really cool to see. Uh, Louise McLean won gold, and uh, Heather uh, Hennett won silver. Uh, in the B3 section, uh, Vivian Kwan won gold, and uh, Jay Gatley won silver. And then in the B4, Dave Ruckman won gold. And then on the uh, physically impaired uh, metal stuff, uh, the B6 ranks, um, Jack Smart uh, won gold, and uh, Chelsea Robertson won silver. And uh, in the B7 category, um, some guy named Andy Caldwell uh, won gold, and Ann Hibbard won silver. Uh, Andy was at the charity thing, too. I congratulated him, um, obviously, uh, Luke's uh, dad, uh, he won gold, which is really, really cool. Yeah, uh, awesome to see uh, <laughs> Andy getting the medal there. He's, uh, I think he won, he won last year too, so it was good to see he had some positive results there again. Um, also, it was nice to see that they kind of, the amount of players in the tournament also increased from last year. It's still getting off the ground parables in Canada. Uh, last year's the first nationals. This is the second. So there's a few more players in this one, which is a encouraging sight to see. So hopefully maybe next year we'll, we'll see the same thing where it just keeps growing and maybe eventually it's going to have as many or more players than <laughs> the major nationals. Yeah, no, that was a positive result. Um, I mean, it's going to grow year over year. We're, yeah, we're starting from, um, square one basically. Um, and I mean, Andy's a longtime player, so he is—he's definitely ahead of the game when it comes to um, uh, parables. Um, I would—I would argue he's probably one of the best in the country uh, if you put anybody uh, against him. So, seeing him win gold, um, I would have put my money on that for sure. But it was really good to see him do it and uh, you know show his skills because he's honed them over a long time, and and he's a good bowler. Yep, definitely. So I guess if we move on to the the other event that occurred, so the Youth Nationals also took place uh, pretty much about the same time, roughly two weeks ago. Uh, so that tournament uh, wrapped up, uh, I guess it was July 30th. So we have the U18 girls. Uh, the winner was uh, Kira Shalau from Alberta. Uh, second place was Gwyneth Chang from BC. 
and third was Taryn Mitchell from Alberta and Ryan Wilson from BC took fourth. Uh, if we go for the U18 boys, the winner from BC for the second straight year was Logan Sanderson, and he beats uh, Lo Wong from Saskatchewan. So it's actually a rematch from last year's final. Uh, really great game, that one. They went back and forth. It was 1816. I was an umpire at the event, so I got to watch that live. It was actually a really good game. They both made quite a few shots to almost hold game at different points. Uh, third place was Clayton Huey from BC. And fourth was Jacob Hyatt from Ontario. Uh, in the U25s, uh, the winner was Jordan Koss from Saskatchewan, and she ended up beating Bailey Van Stein from Ontario. So two of our Canadian national team members playing in the final. Uh, Bailey played great all week, got herself to the championship game, I think, undefeated. And then uh, obviously Jordan's a pretty tough player to play, so uh, they had a really good final there. And then in the third, fourth game, Amy Spence from PEI ended up beating Lucy Ewan from BC. Again, very competitive games. The women's U25 field was a great field, and it was actually awesome to watch and see how high level the U25 ladies were actually playing all week there. Uh, for the U25 men's, the winner was Eric Gallopo from Ontario. He ended up beating Aussie Chambers of BC. And third place went to Curtis Wartman from Ontario, and he ended up beating Yu Huang Huai, or Huey, uh, from BC. Uh, so those were the, I guess, the four uh, normal disciplines. The other thing that occurs at the youth championships is the Forster Lang pairs. Uh, so the winner of the Forster Lang pairs, once again, was Eric Gallopo. And I don't have the, the names, the first names, here in front of me for the Forster Langs, but uh, played with, I think it was Agad Barakat from Alberta, and they ended up beating Jake Masterson uh, from Ontario and Decker Lai from Ontario. So that was, again, a pretty cool final to watch between those guys. And then the third place team was Curtis Wartman and Clayton Huey uh, from BC, and they ended up beating Jordan Koss and uh, from Alberta. So again, very uh, good results. Uh, as I said, I was an umpire at the youth championship. So it was uh, fun to watch uh, all these young players uh, duking it out all week. It was actually great, great bowls across the board. I was quite impressed with a, a lot of players, like uh, specifically the BC players that end up coming out there. A lot of them I had never seen. I think it was Clayton, uh, Huey, and uh, Gwyneth Chang, I'd never seen either of them play before, and obviously a bronze medal and a silver medal for Gwyneth. Pretty solid finishes for them, so I think we're going to see some pretty solid bowlers out of BC coming in the, the next few years. In the, I guess next year's change, the U21 division, so it'll be interesting to see how that sort of flips this championship come next year, but it's, it was uh, encouraging to see the, the young players. Yeah, uh, I I don't have much more to say other than that. But um, for all of you out there who uh, um, who have never seen a youth championship, like if you're in the area, like um, it was just in Regina, so in Saskatchewan, uh, make sure you go and check it out. Um, it's it's awesome to see these players coming up, and they play so well, and they're so young uh, for our sport that um, the support that you give them uh, goes a long way. 
and all I can say is um, just keep encouraging them. It was great to finally see a, a really strong um, U25 women's field. For a while, it was it was just a, a, a couple, maybe a handful of, of people playing, but now it, it looks like it's just a solid field top to bottom. And I guess if we sort of pass along news that sort of occurred at the event, so obviously as we kind of hinted or talked about there, next year there's going to be some significant changes to the youth championships. So it's switching to a U21 format. Uh, part of that is my least favorite change of the entire model where they're now not allowing kids under 14 to play in the event. And essentially those players 22 to 25 lose out on however many years of sort of that youth play. Um, what was interesting to find out was Alberta made a statement, uh, Bulls Alberta made a statement at the actual closing ceremonies that they're going to be piloting or creating an event to essentially keep alive that current format of the youth championship that we see. So it was actually very exciting to have them step up and say they're committing to running an event. So it's pretty much sounds like they're going to run something that's going to be allowing U25, U18 players to still play in an event. So they're not going to have an age cap, anything like that uh, on an event. And they sounds like they're going to be running at the Calgary Lawn Bowling Club at some point in August or early August, late July next year. So I was very excited to hear that. It's great that someone's taking initiative. And I think uh, that's just something that's going to happen with the changes to the formats. People are going to see gaps or things that could be expanded upon. And obviously, uh, Bulls Alberta was impressed with sort of the format and the essence of the youth championship as it is and wanted to see it still go. So I was very impressed that they were able to do that. It sounds very encouraging, and I think we've both said it on on this show before that um, with the changes that are coming, whether you like them or you don't, um, there's opportunity out there. I mean, Calgary's taking the opportunity to put on a youth event um, the way that they want to do it, um, with the format, with um, certain age categories, and um, uh, different than than what the Canadians is going to be. And, you know, there's there's opportunity for the other ones, too. If you love mixed pairs, there's opportunity for mixed pairs. And if you love seniors, there's opportunity to, to look at doing some sort of a seniors event, too. So uh, lots of cool opportunities out there for those that really want to take it up. And I'm sure it's going to be a popular event. Yeah, no, it'll be exciting. And I was just pumped that the, the young players are still going to have an opportunity yeah. to keep playing because... That was my my big head scratcher of all the changes, and I think I think I counted two of the medalists for the U eighteen would have not been allowed to play uh, under this new format. So right. very very interesting that we're going with that. But I'll I'll, di I'll digress. <laughs> so uh, that's the results we had to pass along. Um, those are the two nationals that have been played. We obviously have the major nationals coming up very soon. So uh, we were going to do. I don't know. Was the plan to bring up sort of the the entries in the event? Is that what we, you were going to do here, Daryl? Yeah, I can do that. Um, let me just flip over here. Um, yeah, so we we have the players lists for the Canadians that are coming up. Um, I can quickly go go through them. Um, in some cases, it's pretty extensive. Like the singles has multiple players from uh, multiple. Uh, provinces, but for the singles uh, in the men's category, uh, we have uh, Pat Bird, Roy Riggi, and Jesse Wilkinson from Alberta. 
we have Hang Lee, Paul Lee, Tim Mason, Ryan Pollard, Alan Wass, and Stephen Young from British Columbia. Uh, John Bjornsson and Bob Van Wellingham uh, from Manitoba. Uh, Steve Bazanson, Steve Ogden, John Seitman, and Graham Usher from Nova Scotia. Uh, Dave Defoe, Kerry Lucier, Mike McNaughton, Everett Zwires from Ontario. David James Smith from Quebec. Uh, Daryl Hanaski, Cam McClelland, Keith Roney, and Carter Watson from Saskatchewan. On the women's side... We have Claire Day, Bev Robinson, Jan Robinson, and Kira Shiloh from Alberta. We have Vivian Chan, Lisa Chung, Josephine Lee, Serena Mack, Linda Robbins, and Esther Sun from British Columbia. Uh, Jillian uh, McMurchy and Betty Van Wellingham from Manitoba. Uh, uh, Charmaine uh, Cameron, Debbie Purdy, and Anne Marie Seitman from Nova Scotia. Uh, Cindy Higgins, Laurie McLeod, Diane Trask, and Barb Young from Ontario. And Heather Hanoski, Isabel Parkin, and Jean Roney from Saskatchewan. So, Mike, any thoughts on the singles groupings that we have right now? Um, nothing, like, too terribly in-depth. It, it, it's a pretty good field, both side. Uh, men and women, there's obviously some pretty... Uh, pretty high pretty strong names on both sides like i think we got defending champion for the men's singles uh correct me if i'm wrong it was pat bird who won last year so i think yeah. we got pat back obviously he'll, he'll be someone to contend with and i think you got multiple other got men who have won it before and guys who have been perennial medalists things like that so uh, pretty strong field there ladies same thing i think you've got multiple women that have won it before and sort of kind of the who's who of uh, the bowlers. And then there's also some young up and comers in the field as well. So I'm pretty excited for uh, the singles to take place uh, a bit of a change this year. The singles is being run first before the majors. Uh, I think that's the first time I've, to my knowledge that that's occurred that they kind of a flip flopped and uh, usually it's the other way around. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that sort of plays out, but it, I guess kind of gives the, the incoming players for the majors, the ability to probably watch the finals of the singles uh, on that last day. So that'll kind of be a nice atmosphere of the players. Uh, part of, I guess the show here is Al, Al and I uh, will have a prediction show video coming out here very shortly. So I'm not going to go too deep into predictions or yeah. anything like that. I'm going to save that for uh, our video that we're going to have out probably mid to late next week, right around the start of the singles. Um, since it's going to be very similar to next year, we're going to make some predictions. Hopefully teams don't change. Uh <laughs> Within yeah, two or right. three days' notice, that was our our least favorite part about that video last year. Is we made three or four predictions, and we had very substantial changes made to some of the teams. So then, obviously, we looked like like idiots. I, I think we're idiots, anyways. But um, that's just how the way it goes. Um, I'll let you take over again here for the players in the sort of the major part of the nationals. Yes, uh, British Columbia A. We have uh, Kinon Lau and Kin Sung Sum, uh, Sing Sum. Uh, on the men's pairs side, uh, and Josephine Lee and Serena Mack on the women's pairs. Um, British Columbia A men's fours, Carrie Manns, David Baldwin, Hangley, and Clement Law. And then on the women's side, uh, Carrie Ip, uh, Lisa Leifong, Ivy uh, Kian, and Selena Z. Um, British Columbia B, 
uh, pairs. We have uh, men's as Jeff Law and George Mann. Women's is Lorraine Choi and Fanny Young. Uh, BCB, uh, sorry, British Columbia B, I should say. Uh, four is David Matthew, Brent Jansen, uh, Bob Maxwell, and Gary Kirk. And then on the women's side, it's Sharon Baldwin, Kathy uh, Harms, Lorraine Martin, and Lynn Chwar Chortaki, I hope. <laughs> I hope I didn't butcher that. Uh, Alberta A, men's pairs, Dwayne Hawk and Jesse Wilkinson. And on the women's side, it's Jan Robinson and Bev Robinson. Uh, Alberta A, fours, men's is Pat Bird, Francis Standen, Mike O'Reilly, and John McDonald. And on the women's side, it's Pauline Wong, Cheryl Starrow, uh, Lorna Hatton, and Teresa Lee. And then on Alberta B, we have just uh, a women's pairs, which is Jennifer McDonald and Claire Day. And then on the fours, it's Roy Riggi, Nathan Findlay, Peter Mock, and Keith Johnson. For Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatchewan A pairs is Jordan Gailey and Mason Boyd. And then women is Jean Roney and Karen Schlotter. Uh, men's fours is uh, some guy named Jonathan Patuli, whoever that is. Uh, Carter Watson, Brandon Watson, and Murray Patuli. And then uh, some more Patulis on the women's side. Harriet Patuli, Rachel Larson, Heather Howard, and Eileen McClellan. I think the only Patuli not on this list is Mike. <laughs> uh, Saskatchewan B on the women's side is Aaron Higgins and Isabel Parkin. And then Heather Hanoski, Anita Navalia, um, Navalo, sorry, and then Elizabeth Jones and Janet Watson uh, for the women's fours. Uh, Manitoba A, we have Gerald uh, Chudrick and Randy Kenning. And on the women's side, it's Betty Van Wellingham and Jillian McMurchie. Uh, Manitoba A, fours, Brian Cullum, Ian Thompson, Rodney Rose, and John Bjornson. And then on the women's fours, it's Brenda Frank, Donna G uh, Gable, Anna Ken Angela Kenning and Barbara Heinrich. Sorry, I'm reading a lot of names. Uh, Manitoba B. Uh, we have a women's force, which is Shirley uh, Fitzpatrick Wong, Donna Law, Marilyn Barron, and Clarice Fitzpatrick. Ontario A. Men's pairs, David Anderson and Jeff Harding. Uh, Ontario A. Women's pairs, Elizabeth Cormack and Crystal Shepard. Ontario A. Fours. Men's is Eric Gallopo, Martin Foxhall, Rob Gallopo, and Dave Llewellyn. Women's fours is Sophie Burrows, uh, Patricia Binney, Marion Brenton, and Penny Heineke. Ontario B men's pairs, Mark McFadden and Dave Defoe. And on the women's side, it's Lan Tran and Kathy Larking. Uh, Ontario B fours men's is Gary Pickering, Bill McCollum, Michael Spadafora, and Pierre Vanderhout. Uh, women's fours is Cindy Higgins, Betty Robitaille, Lynn Cranch, and Laurie McLeod. Uh, Quebec, men's pairs, John Devlin and uh, Gilles Care, And on the fours, it's David James Smith, um, Mike Doskis, Patrick Desarnlo, um, and Ram Ram Gillum. New Brunswick, we have a men's pairs of Mark Beeman and Wayne Hossack. And on Nova Scotia, we have men's pairs, Steve Ogden and Steve Bazanson, women, Lena Cameron and Debbie Purdy. Men's fours, uh, Nova Scotia A, Braden uh, Campbell, Raymond McDonald, John Seitman, and Liam Campbell. And then women's fours, Tammy Foster Vino, Jackie Foster, and Marie Seitman, and Lorraine Bazanson. Oops. 
I believe that is it. Yeah, so that's uh, what we got there for the majors. Again, going to be uh, a little exciting. See what what develops of of, of that field. We got a three or four. Or, I guess it'd be three defending champions or iterations of defending champions uh, coming back from last year. So it'll be fun to see what develops there. Uh, as I previously stated, we will have a prediction video sort of laying out uh, who we think is going to win each event. Uh, so that should be out mid next week. So please do uh, give that a watch. Uh, put any sort of nasty comments you have about, about the predictions there. Uh, Al and I will be more than happy to read them and potentially respond. I think last year he Al was physically accosted by uh, <laughs> Elaine Jones. So uh, unfortunately, Al and I both uh, were both such washed bowlers that neither of us made it to nationals this year. So no one can actually assault us in person, but we, we will take any sort of beating over the internet that uh, people want to lay down on us. Uh, excited to make the video again because i like looking at the fields and seeing who's who's there and who potentially is going to challenge for it each year because it's uh, always exciting to see who actually gets out of each province and what the tournament then ends up playing out as should be an exciting event and uh yeah like we said we'll we'll save our predictions and, and talks and all that kind of stuff for after uh mike and i'll do their their prediction video which should be really cool um and um yeah, good luck to all the competitors. It's coming up fast. Okay. Um, I think we had a couple other things that we were going to talk about. Is that right, Daryl? Yeah, I'll quickly slide in the UBC results. It just went uh, through um, just this past week. They had um, three events, uh, which is uh, crazy in my mind, but they had um, three back-to-back -back events that just went bang, bang, bang. All played for uh, the UBC Cup. Um, and I will just quickly go through the results now, and, and then we can have a quick chat after. Uh, for UBC event number one, uh, Exodus Blue won uh, with Deer Park uh, as the second place, and you can kind of see the, the breakdown of the, the bracket here for the preliminaries, quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. Uh, for event number two, uh, we had uh, Deer Park again um, battling it out, but this time they fell to uh, Whittlesea Eagles. And then in the final one, uh, we had uh, the Warilla Gorillas uh, facing Moema Black. Uh, Moema has two teams, Moema Green and Moema Black. Um, and Moema Black won this one. Um, it went down really fast. Um I wasn't able to catch all the events. I think I only caught uh, a bit of the last one um, just with timing, but um, I caught up on some of the results, caught up on some of the people. It was The thing that for me was really cool was the two uh, US teams seemed to do a lot better this time around than they did uh, in the previous events. Yeah, I think they've been to, probably this is their third UBC now or third iterations that I think they've traveled for. And you can see that obviously playing on the Australian greens has helped uh, the results that they're getting. So I think if you went back and looked there, I think uh, South Southern California tsunami, they got to the semifinals, the one round, and then the, the golden state team made the knockouts in two of the three events. So obviously uh, playing well and, it's probably good good that their form is rounding up, like specifically uh, Lauren and 
uh, Lauren Dion and Aaron Zangle are on Team USA in the, the World Championships that are coming up later this month here. So I imagine this event was a good sort of primer or something for them to gear up for the Worlds uh, in a couple of weeks here. That's true. And uh, they did pick up some some pretty powerful players uh, to add to that team. I think uh, uh, Selena Goddard from New Zealand uh, was with um, Golden State. And then I think it's I think it was Sean Baker that was with Lauren and Aaron Zangle. So I mean, uh, pretty good players uh, in their own right. So uh, really cool to see them pick up some some solid players to to build up the teams a little bit. It, it is hard going in just as a completely North American team. So um, oh, and uh, John Seitman reminded me that uh, Dale McQuinney Shillington was also uh, was with Golden State and um, Dale's uh, an up and coming player. Uh, a young guy. Uh, I've seen him play a couple times and uh, really good. So um, definitely someone to watch out for in the future as well. Awesome. All right. And was that all that we were going to cover here, Daryl? Or did you have... I have one more. It's a long freaking it... show, man. <laughs> for tonight. Uh, but one more important one. Um, we do have the World Championships coming up. So uh, I was able to to snatch some of the section play or the sections that were broken out. So we'll just quickly go over the sections for those of you that are, are really interested in the world championships to see where Canada falls in. And maybe you have friends from other countries or other uh, places that you, you know are going to be slotting in. Um, so let's throw up the sections here. So uh, para mixed uh, visually impaired pairs. Um, the only one, the only countries competing right now are Scotland, uh, Hong Kong, China, England, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Uh, men, uh, pair of men's pairs. We have two sections. Section one is England, Thailand, Australia, Hong Kong, China, and Wales. And section two is New Zealand, South Africa, Scotland, Singapore, Korea, and Japan. Pair of women's pairs uh, has New Zealand, Australia, England, Scotland, Thailand, and Hong Kong, China. And we get the big groupings now because uh, it is an open world championship. So we have a ton of countries that you probably have never seen in a world championship before. Or you've only seen them sporadically uh, when they were able to field the full team. Section 1, we have New Zealand, South Africa. Oh, this is men's fours. So section 1, New Zealand, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Fiji, Singapore, India, Cook Islands, Switzerland, and Kenya. Section 2 is Australia, Malaysia, Wales, Norfolk Island, Japan, Namibia, Malta, Philippines, and Papua New Guinea. Uh, section three has Ireland, United States, Jersey, Israel, Nui, Turkey, Botswana, and Macau, China. And section four has Scotland, England, Hong Kong, China, Canada, Thailand, France, Samoa, and Argentina. Men's triples has four sections again. So section one is England, Namibia, Jersey, Canada, Norfolk Island, Israel, Singapore, Thailand, and Kenya. Uh, section two has Australia, Samoa, Zimbabwe, Fiji, Malaysia, France, Turkey, India, and Argentina. Section three has New Zealand, Ireland, United States, uh, South Africa, Switzerland, Hong Kong, China, Papua New Guinea, and Botswana. And section four has Japan, Scotland, Wales, Nui, Macau, China, Philippines, Malta, and Cook Islands. Men's pairs. I'm gonna stop reading all the names because I wanted to get a few of them out that were whatever. But um, 
for Canada and United States for our North American. Uh, they're in Section 2 and Section 3. So United States is up against Ireland, Hong Kong, China, Spain, India, Zimbabwe, France, Macau, China, and Botswana. And in Section 3, Canada is against New Zealand, England, Fiji, Namibia, Japan, Netherlands, Kenya, Turkey, and Thailand. And men's singles, you got um, Ryan Bester playing for Canada in Section 2 against Japan, England, South Africa, Cyprus. Zimbabwe, Botswana, Singapore, Papua New Guinea, Sweden, and Sri Lanka. And then uh, United States is in Section 3 with Scotland, Malaysia, Jersey, Namibia, Macau, China, Cook Islands, Switzerland, Auckland Islands, Thailand, and Kenya. And then on the women's, uh, Section 1 sees the United States and Canada up against uh, Australia, Ireland, Norfolk Island, India, and Botswana. Women's triples, Canada is in section two, which is Wales, New Zealand, uh, Zimbabwe, Jersey, Switzerland, Cook Islands, and Japan. And the United States is in section four with South Africa, England, Malta, Thailand, Turkey, and Kenya. Women's singles, uh, we see Canada in section three, Norfolk Island, uh, South Africa, Fiji, Guernsey, Turkey, India, Malta, Namibia, and Jersey. And the United States is in Section 4. New Zealand, Malaysia, Kenya, Singapore, Samoa, Nui, Macau, China, Switzerland, and Japan. And then women's pairs. Uh, Section 3 has Canada with Scotland, Malaysia, Cook Islands, Kenya, India, Jersey, Botswana, and Macau, China. And then the United States is in with Wales, Norfolk Island, South Africa, Singapore, Thailand, Turkey, and France. Mike, that is a load of teams. A load of teams. <laughs> yeah, no, you uh, nailed on the head, and I think Neil in our interview touched on it as well. It's the biggest world championship that there's ever been, so they're pretty much allowing people to come in uh, and play in the tournament. Uh, so it's it's good to see like, some of these nations we've never seen before. I'm sure it's going to... Uh, the, the results will be interesting to see, because... I think Neil sort of touched on some of them may not be the most high-level players, but again, it, I think the participation is an important thing. Uh, you do touch, you did touch on the Canadian groups. Uh, some of the groups Canadians have are uh, going to be challenging to get out of because they not so much groups of death, but when you look at the, kind of this traditional strong nations, there's two or three other strong teams in a group with a couple of the Canadian teams. So wish them all, all the best down there. Uh, I know a lot of them head out in probably about a week or so here, and that's when they're going down a little early to get acclimatized, everything like that. But all the best to everyone going there, and I really do hope that uh, they have a strong showing there. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm hoping that we get to see a little bit uh, of the Canadian content and United States content uh, streamed. I'd be like to like to see some of that North American, um, those North American teams play. Um It'll be great to see uh, what the events uh, will be like. They're they're played against uh, played over multiple venues um, in and around the Gold Coast. All of them top notch, and uh, yeah, like you said, like just some teams we've never seen before. So I'm curious as to how they'll do. Um, we've seen some surprise, surprises in the past. I mean, I don't think anybody at the beginning of the Commonwealth Games would have picked India uh, the India Fours Women's Fours to win, um, but they did. Um, and some of the teams that you probably would have favored got knocked out uh, um, before 
they got even to the semifinals in those games. So um, different continent, different climate, different speed. Um, so we'll see how those shifting of, of teams uh, goes from the Commonwealth Games. Yes, definitely. Um, if anyone does want to check the results out, it will be on the World Bulls website, that newly revamped World Bulls website that we, we touched on in the interview. So definitely keep an eye on that over the the tournament. And they'll, they have it updated in the newer software system, and it is pretty slick. I sort of watched it with, uh, I think it was the World Indoor Cup or whatever they call the sort of the World Indoor that they ran there. And it actually is uh, very nice to follow results on. So do keep an eye out on their website and also Bulls Canada's website if you're wanting uh, the results of Canadian Championships. So I think this is a record breaker show for the longest show of all time, Daryl. Uh, do you do you have anything else you want to bring up so that we could just keep going and set some more records? No, I'm old and tired and I've got a kid, so I'm 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 hanging on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I got two kids, so I can one up you there and yeah. I'm 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 very tired as well. So um one last reminder, if you are here to hit that like comment subscribe button we appreciate any support we can get from you so please do hit those buttons because it really does help us out immensely um and if you're not here live we are going to be up on youtube in the day and all major podcasting platforms daryl is flexing his shirt so if you do like our merchandise we have quite a bit of merchandise uh, in our store that link is also at the bottom of the page as well so please do check that out uh, we do have lots of cool shirts, uh, sort of custom ones like Daryl's made there, and then sort of more bull-specific ones. So if you like any of them, please check it out. That support does help us. We funnel all the money we're getting from uh, merchandise back into the, the channel. Uh, some future plans we have, uh, or big future plans that we have, we'll be funneling it into anything we're doing there. So please do support us if you can. So I'll just wrap it up, call it a day. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, may all your bulls be touchers.